We're now going to move on to our talk for this week. Uh, we've been going through a series on Elisha and Elijah, and it's called Troublemakers. And it's all about the powerful lives of these two great prophets. Uh, this week, we have got Derek. Um, he's joining us to, to talk to us about the next in our instalment. Um, I think I've done one preach um, and, and I loved it. But what I really realized is that these, these talks take a lot of time to um, plan, to, to really seek God's purpose and direction in. And I want to honor Derek for um, the way that he prepares so well for his, his talks. Uh, it takes a long time and um, he really, really is after God's heart. And um, yeah, just want to honour him for this and uh, let's have our hearts and, uh, and our um, ears open to hear what he has to say to us this morning. Well, good morning, Life Church. I'm really excited to be able to bring uh, the next instalment of our Troublemaker series, where we've been looking at the lives of Elijah and Elisha over the last couple of weeks. Today, we're going to be opening up our Bibles and we're going to continue that storyline. And we're going to be looking at uh, chapters four and chapter six in two Kings. And to give you a little bit of a kind of a prequel or a preview of what is to come, we're going to be reading about a set of individuals that face some really interesting circumstances, some really interesting situations where they're in need. And what we're going to see is God not only respond, but he's going to uh, uh, be involved in the situation. He's going to bring breakthrough and he's going to bring restoration through the act of a wonderful supernatural miracle. Now, I've titled this uh, talk today as the four miracles for everyday life. And one of the reasons I've done that is because these situations happen in the everyday. They're very personal situations. And so as we begin to read, the question I have for this morning for us to consider is this. How can we learn to recognize more of God's personal involvement and restoration in our lives today? I'm going to say that again. How can we learn to recognize more of God's personal involvement and his restoration in our lives today? So if you've got your Bible ready, we're going to be opening up, as, as I mentioned, to chapters 4 and 6. We're going to be reading in chapters 4, uh, verses 1 to 7. And then we're going to fast forward and we're going to read verses 38 to 44. And uh, finally, we're going to read 2 Kings 6. Uh, verses uh, 1 to 7. Uh, if you haven't got a Bible with you, that's okay. The words are going to be on screen and uh, uh, Garrett is kindly going to read this for us uh, and, uh, and we can follow along there. So over to you, Garrett. 2 Kings 4 verses 1 through 7. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in your house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. 
Moving on to verses 38 through 44. Then Elisha came again to Gilgal, where there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, Sit on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds, and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. He said, Then bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, Pour some out for the men, that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. A man came from Baal-shilshah, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give to the men, that they may eat. But his servants said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give to the men, that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. And 2 Kings 6, 1-7. through 7. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the river, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. And so he reached out his hand and took it. The end. Well, thank you so much, Garrett, for bringing uh, God's word uh, to us this morning. Now, I must confess, when I first read these verses, I actually missed uh, one of the miracles. Uh, now, the miracle I missed was actually the death in the pot miracle and the adding of the flower. Now, when I first read the verses, I actually kind of thought that, that maybe Elisha was this kind of amazing Old Testament sort of Jamie Oliver. I, I don't know. He added flour to the pot and this pot was effectively okay to eat afterwards. Now, clearly, clearly this is a miracle. Uh, it doesn't really matter how much flour you add to a meal to try and rectify it. If it has poison in the pot uh, and poison to the point of death, then clearly flour is not going to, to rectify that. And that got me kind of thinking, why is it that I missed this particular miracle. And I think one of the reasons is, you know, if you think about what we've been studying over the last uh, couple of weeks and, and some of the miracles that we've seen take place, we've been looking at some really big cataclysmic sort of nation-shaking moments. And what we're reading about here in the text is we're actually reading like these are small miracles that are very much so in a personal uh, level. They even take place behind doors in some cases. You know, we're not looking at miracles like what we've seen before where, you know, uh, we see on Mount Carmel the, the fire come down and burn up the sacrificial offering. Or we see Elijah taken up in a chariot up into, up into the heavens. You know, these are nation-shaking moments. But what we're reading about here is very, very personal. And I think one of the reasons that uh, I've did this is because I was looking for that big moment. 
You know, isn't that the, the case for, for some of us? We sometimes just miss God because one, maybe we're looking in the wrong place uh, or two, maybe we are just not looking for him in the everyday of life, the smaller things that we face. Maybe we're not even looking for God at all. Now, there is a saying that familiarity can lead to apathy. Now, what I mean by that is that when you think about life, you think about work, you think about a school and routine, there's a lot of familiarity that we can face. And this can very much so lead to apathy. And sometimes, sometimes we just miss God because we're familiar with life. Now, if you look back to the last sort of 18 months or so, of the pandemic and everything that's gone on, I would probably say the familiarity of life has completely changed. And what we have seen out of that is a lot more people uh, wanting to seek God, to find God in the midst of chaos and things that are uh, uh, no longer familiar. But the truth is, is that really God is always at work in our lives. You know, even when the world around us seems to be falling apart, so the big question is, I guess, is not is God working in my life or do, like, do miracles exist? I think the question we should ask today is where is God at work? And how can I learn to recognize more of that in my life today? So in the next sort of 10 to 15 minutes, uh, we're going to look at uh, what we've just read, and we've, uh, I've broken this down into effectively three threads. Well, that's a mouthful, three threads, <laughs> um, that we're gonna uh, break down and have a look at basically the response of the people uh, in these uh, verses, and, um, and how they are trusting God, uh, not only in the big, but also in the small. I've labeled these three threads as seek, surrender, and sustain. As we are reading, I'm not sure if you noticed, but in the four miracles, there is a moment where the people respond in a time of crisis. And they respond by saying, God, help me. You know, we read in chapter four of the widow who is facing the debtors. They're coming to uh, take her sons away into slavery because her husband's died. Her response in that moment is, help me. Help me get out of this situation. We then read a little bit later of the sons of the prophet. They're about to sit down and eat their, their meal from the pot of stew. And they cry out, oh, there is death in the pot. Help us. Uh, you can imagine them being hungry, but also fearful that there is death in the pot. Something's poisoned the food they're about to eat. We even see this in the uh, servant who brings his 20 loaves to, uh, to Elisha. And Elisha says, well, go and feed the men before me. And he says, well, I've only got 20, yet there are 100 men before me. We fast forward to chapter 6, where we actually see the man with his borrowed axe chopping away and it falls into the water. And he says, alas, it was borrowed there is an element here of seeking God. They cry out to God. Now, as I was reading this, I think for me, 
uh, my response is often not to say to God, help me. I will pretty much do everything I can out of my own strength, whether that is a work situation, whether it is uh, a financial situation or a relationship, whatever the case is. It could be even that I've just lost uh, a, a screw down the back of the sofa. My first response is to try and fix that rather than to seek God and ask him for help. There's even been times where I thought that the particular situation, as mentioned, like the screw down the sofa, you know, something that's really small is actually not even worth bringing to God because it's not this rock bottom crisis. Now, I'm a, I'm a father to three wonderful children, Seth, Abigail and uh, Elijah. And uh, I love my children dearly. And there is absolutely nothing that I wouldn't do to help them in the small and in the big. Yet my fatherly response is nothing compared to God's. John talks about the father's love in 1 John 3 verse 1. He says this, he says, What great love the father has lavished on us. Lavished. That we should be called children of God. There is a wonderful, wonderful promise there. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And he wants to lavish his love on us. God wants us to seek him. He wants us to cry out and help in these moments. And these moments for us, when we talk about seeking God, they can be as simple as just saying, God, help me. They can be as simple as kneeling in prayer, bringing the, the situation you're facing before our Father in heaven. I kind of want to demystify the word seek because the reality is here, yeah, guys, we have a connection with our Father in heaven. When we come to him and we sit at his throne, at his feet, and we say, Daddy, I need you. God loves that. When we pray to God in these moments, we want to be praying with our mind's attention focused on our Father, with our hearts, our whole heart's affection given to our Lord. There's a wonderful promise in Jeremiah 29, 13, a well-known verse that when we seek God, we will find him. It says this, says, you will seek me and find me and when you seek me with all your heart. Now, this leads me to the second thread to consider this morning. What do we do when we find God? And what do we do when God calls us to surrender to him in that moment? You know, we read in chapter four uh, of the miracles we've just read about. We see the, the widow uh, Elisha says to her, well, go and get what oil, little oil you have. Go and get all the vessels from your neighbors and from your friends around you. Uh, you know, she has to do this and she has to do this behind closed doors. There is a response from her to surrender. You know, Elisha's asking her, to be honest with you, something that's pretty odd. But she responds in faith. We even see this with the son's of the prophets. Elijah says, bring me flour. You know, why, why would you have flour and add it to the pot? 
Well, the sons of the prophets bring him flour. They respond. We even see this from the, the man from uh, Baal, Shalisha. You know, he brings his 20 loaves and Elijah says, go feed them to the hundred. And he's a little bit confused. He's like, I don't know. I can't. How do I do this? But he does it anyway. And probably, you know, as we fast forward to chapter six, we say we see Elisha say to the man, he says, go tell me, tell me where you lost this axe. And the man goes and shows Elisha. Now, I guess my hope is when it comes to uh, surrendering um, that I can do it easily. But I know I can't. I can look back in my past um, and uh, I know that letting go, surrendering to God means I've got a letter grip of my um, circumstances. And I'm sure many of you will be able to um, uh, resonate with this. It's very hard to surrender ourselves completely to God. And I think one of the reasons for that is that when you look at the world, the world sells us the idea that we should rely on ourselves, that we shouldn't need to rely on anyone else. And this makes surrendering to God sometimes feel like, to be honest, that we maybe we're giving up on ourselves. Um, maybe you even feel a little bit anxious or worried that actually if you surrender yourself to God, that God might let you down. Now, in 2004, when I moved um, from South Africa, at the young age of uh, 17, is over, uh, where are we on, um, 16 years ago now, uh, I very much so fought God in that move. I had to leave my home, my school, my family, and everything I'd known for the last, well, 17 years of my life. And I had to take a journey. And rather than surrendering to God in this, I fought. I fought at every single level. You ask my parents, I'm sure they will, they will tell you this, they will reiterate it. Uh, I, was, I was a difficult 17-year-old. Very difficult. And I think it came to a moment where only when I kind of hit rock bottom and I had nothing left of me, did God... Uh, bring that much-needed breakthrough. All he was asking to me, to me was to surrender. And he just wanted me to surrender in the process and trust him in this new land that he'd taken us to. Now, you see, God's will is this wonderful expression of his love for us. And so when we surrender to Jesus... There's this wonderful expression of love, but we also find joy. I found joy when I surrendered to God in the process of moving to a new country. Now, when I use the example of my kids, you know, there's nothing like trying to, to give a child a, a new uh, piece of food. It could be an absolutely wonderful uh, sweet. It could be something good for them. Um, but isn't it amazing how children will dig their heels in and they will not let go and they will refuse to trust for fear of losing control of what they know. Yet there is something wonderful there as a father or a mother where you're trying to give them something good, something amazing. And what God asks for us is that we... Surrender. He's not going to force us to do something. 
uh, he's asking us to be willing vessels so that he might pour his spirit into us. We know that he might bless us with good and wonderful and joyful things. You know, when you think of the the apostle Paul who suffered in prison, he suffered, he was beaten and he uh, he was locked in prison for many, many, many years. But he counted it as joy for the work of the Lord, even in those moments. The same goes for Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, who joyfully surrendered himself to the will of the Father, enduring the cross, despising shame, and who is now seated at the right hand throne of God. Now, would you be rather be happy for a short moment? Would you rather be joyfully sustained for an eternity with Jesus? And this leads me to the final thread. God's glory revealed in the outworking of his plans and his purposes. Now, when we seek God and we surrender to him, well, what happens then? Well, in the four miracles we read... We see not only God being involved, but bringing breakthrough in a miraculous way. We see oil flowing into the vessels, enough to sustain the widow for years to come. We see the pot of stew being turned from from death into life so the men may eat. We even see the loaves, the 20 loaves being multiplied into feeding over a hundred sons of the prophets. And then we see the axe head float. (laughs) What a crazy moment. An axe head floating to the top of the water. What was lost was now found. The debt was paid. So when we look at these verses, there is one thing that really strikes me. When we are not enough, our God, our God is enough. When we have nothing to give, our God has everything to give to us. God gave us Jesus. He gave Jesus who paid for everything. When we had absolutely nothing to give, Jesus gave everything. He paid for our debts. You know, Jesus said himself, he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never go hungry. Whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. Jesus is the one that brings life into the pot of death. So when we realize who Christ is, the one who sustains us, who gives us life and life in abundance. We can truly begin to see God. We can truly begin to see God in the situations that we're facing, whether they're big situations or whether they're small. Not only, not only has Jesus called us, he has raised us to one day be seated with him and share in eternal glory. Doesn't that get you excited? One day we are going to join our Father in heaven. What a moment. My spirit raises in me when I think about the moment that I get to meet Jesus. 
What a moment. Doesn't that make your spirit just leap with joy? We are called to be a part of God's family. To share in his amazing saving grace. And uh, to share that glory to those around us too. So I want to end in two ways uh, this morning. Firstly, I really want to encourage you to seek God, to surrender to him and for your trust and everything in you to to give it over to God so that he might sustain you. Um, I really want to encourage you to look for those moments in your life. Look for those moments in the everyday of life. If you're not seeking God, now's the time to start seeking him. Raise your awareness levels of what God is doing in your life. And I guarantee you'll be surprised. Secondly, like the vessels that are filled in the uh, story of the widow, I wanted us to just be, to basically pray for a fresh revelation of God, a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit, that he will fill us like those vessels ready to go out and to do the next thing. And uh, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in this moment as an act of responding to God. And this might feel a little bit strange. It's really hard to try and do this online, especially. But if the spirit has been speaking to you, you've been hearing an audible voice, which is basically saying, my son, my daughter, I want you to surrender. I want you to respond to me. This is the moment. It may be that you've even never done this before. It may be that you think you don't even need to do this. But I think there's something this morning where the Father wants to break supernaturally into our lives and to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, open your hands, and we're going to pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the wonderful message and news of the cross, Jesus. What you have given, Father, you gave everything when we had nothing to give. Lord, this morning, Father, I ask that you will fill us afresh with your spirit, Jesus, that you will fill us to the brim, Lord God, Father. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that this morning people will go away completely and utterly changed because of your Holy Spirit, Father, falling afresh on them. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is uh, no one like you, Jesus, that when we come to you, we know that you hear us. Father, we know that you love us like a father loves a son or a daughter. And you love to hear what we have to say, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, that in this moment you will be glorified, Jesus, that your spirit will come down, Father, that you will fill us afresh this morning, ready, Father, to go out into uh, our neighborhoods around us, Jesus, so that we, in turn, Father, can share what you have given us to those around us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. In your precious name. Amen. 
Thank you, Derek. I, I love that preach so much. It was just so helpful and it was challenging, but in a really good way. And um, yeah, I just want to encourage you, if you felt like God is speaking to you um, through what Derek has brought this morning um, and yeah, prompting you to surrender things to him. Um, yeah, just to encourage you to spend time with the Father, knowing that when we when we surrender to God, we do so in the safest place. Um, his his place, his um, refuge is the most safe place that we can surrender things to. And um, encourage you also, if you if you want to talk to someone about things that you're struggling with or even struggling to surrender to God, then um, do find a Christian friend and somebody that you can connect with and pray with together. I know when I've done that in the past, it's been so life giving, just so good to have someone to share stuff with, isn't it? But as for me, it's been great meeting with you, my first time hosting, and uh, yeah, I've loved it. So it's good to see you all, and I can't wait until we can meet in person uh, with no restrictions, hopefully in June. So God bless you. Have a lovely Sunday. Have a great bank holiday weekend, and enjoy the sunshine. Bye.